PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. Physical therapists diagnose and treat people of all ages with all types of health conditions to help keep them moving and functioning in daily life. It's a message to the research community that the federal government values and is going to continue to make an investment in the research enterprise. That's incredibly fast. Something so targeted and specific is quite unusual. We also have to demonstrate that it stimulates the economy. But what a great problem to have. Welcome to this PTJ podcast, Healthcare Research Provisions in the Stimulus Bill. In February of 2009, the United States Congress passed and President Obama signed into law the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, often referred to in the media as the Stimulus Bill. In this stimulating discussion, Dr. Alan Jetty of Boston University and Dr. Justin Moore of the American Physical Therapy Association explore the impact of this legislation on rehabilitation research. And now, our moderator, Dr. Rebecca Craik. Hello, my name is Becky Craik. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Physical Therapy. We are here today to discuss the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, or the ARRA. I am delighted to be joined by two physical therapists, Alan Jetty and Justin Moore. Dr. Alan M. Jetty is the director of the Boston University Health and Disability Research Institute. He also serves as a professor of health policy and management in the School of Public Health at Boston University. Thank you, Alan, for doing this. I'm delighted to be here, Becky. Thanks for having me. Justin Moore is the Vice President for Government and Payment Advocacy of the American Physical Therapy Association. He oversees the association's federal, state, regulatory, and payment policy initiatives. Thanks, Becky. Happy to be part of the conversation. Thank you very much. By way of a very brief introduction, President Obama signed the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act on February 17, 2009. We are here today to discuss how this Recovery Act will affect the research enterprise in the United States. Although our discussion is focused on the U.S. federal government, I believe that our international research scientists who collaborate with us on grants will also find this topic of interest. Before we begin the discussion, I really think it would be helpful if Justin will help us clarify the differences between the pots of money that are discussed in the media, that is the ARA, the TARP, the Omnibus Bill, and the 2010 budget. Justin, welcome, and please help. Thank you. As you mentioned, there were basically four different legislative vehicles that have occurred over the past couple months. So before we talk specifically about the research provisions of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, I thought it would be good to put those four different economic stimulus bills into context. The first bill was back in the fall in the 110th Congress and what in the media is known as the TARP legislation. This was primarily geared toward the subprime mortgage crisis and there were no research provisions that were included in the TARP funds. Second is two appropriation bills that were going on almost simultaneously over the last couple months. Congress was operating under a continuing resolution until just recently when on March 11th, Congress passed and the President signed the Appropriations Bill for FY 2009. Included in that was a slight increase of 3.2% for the National Institutes of Health, $937.5 million. 
Congress will move over the next several months to pass an appropriations bill for FY2010. And right now, the research community and advocates are advocating for a 10% increase for NIH funding in this legislation. The fourth and the one we will spend more detailed time on is the bill that is known as the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. That legislation had significant funds for NIH. The funding that was authorized as part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act was $10.4 billion, and that was divided into many different programs at the National Institutes of Health. Thank you. So, Justin, can you give us a notion of the timeline for the provisions that are related to research? Yes. The goal was to get this funding to be accessible in a very short timeline. We are already starting to see the National Institutes of Health, NIH, begin to put out proposals to access this grant funding. It might be good to talk just a little bit about the the different pots of money that were part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act that were directed to NIH. There were, in essence, six basic areas where funds were dedicated. The first and largest portion was $7.4 billion that was transferred to the institutes and centers and the common fund. That money was based on a percentage basis formula so that each institute in their percentage of the overall budget would get that percentage of the $7.4 billion. There was also $1 billion for extramural construction, repairs, and alterations, $500 million for construction on the NIH campus in Bethesda, Maryland, $300 million for shared instrumentation and large capital expenses, and $200 million to fund new grant initiatives called NIH Challenge Grants. In addition to those funds, there was another $400 million that was transferred from the Agency on Healthcare Research and Quality for Comparative Effectiveness Research. Those pots of money got to $10.4 billion, which is the single biggest one-time contribution to the NIH outside of the annual appropriations funds. So, in, Justin, when you listed the major directions that the money will be directed towards NIH, I'd like to step back for a moment and say, Although our discussion may focus primarily on the National Institutes of Health today, it's very important to recognize that there are other pots of money that are also available in the stimulus package, some associated with health and promotion, some that's going to the National Science Foundation, and certainly some that's going towards comparative effectiveness. But what I'd like to talk about at the moment is the money that is being issued for investigators. And, Alan, I don't know if you would like to describe from your perspective what you've seen NIH offer. I can do that. Uh, To date, I'm familiar with three major initiatives that the NIH has released. We're seeing almost new initiatives come out every week. But the three that I'm aware of that have come out so far are, number one, the NIH Challenge Grant Initiative, which they've invested $200 million in over the next two years. The second is what they call the Grand Opportunities Initiative, which they've just released, which also has a $200 million investment. And the third, which is frequently overlooked, is the NIH Competitive Revision initiative. In this initiative, they've invested about a billion dollars over the next two years. Those are the three that I'm aware of. So I think, should we try to provide our listeners with a little bit more information about these three opportunities? 
Sure. Um, let me begin explaining to people the competitive revision situation. The first thing to understand in this initiative is that the timeline is extremely short. The deadline for applications is April 21st, 2009. And this initiative is targeted to investigators who currently have funding from the NIH. It's an opportunity to extend an ongoing grant, which they refer to as a parent grant. To be eligible, an investigator must have a parent grant that is active at the time that the revision application is submitted. The research that one would propose in a revision must be accomplished within the current competitive segment of the grant. So the period of support cannot exceed the current project period end date of the parent grant. So that's the, the first okay. one, and it's targeted to people who already have grants. Well, let's finish with the NIH competitive revision. Go ahead, Justin. Do you want to add something in if people want to know how to get information? Yeah, there's a great way to access information. The federal government has set up a website called recovery.gov, and that is a base portal for all funding that deals with the economic stimulus or the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. But you can actually go directly to the National Institutes of Health, and they have on their homepage a recovery and reinvestment button. And that takes you to extensive information that is coming out, as Alan said, almost on a weekly basis with very tight timelines and very specific protocols on how to access those funds. Thank you, Justin. And now, Alan, would you talk about the challenge grant? Now, this, the second initiative that I'm aware of is the NIH challenge grant. And this is, I believe, the first initiative that came out, and it's received a lot of attention. The application due date is April 27th of 2009, and you would go to the same sites that Justin has mentioned to find out more information about this. The intent of the challenge grant is for the NIH to fund promising novel research in areas that address very specific knowledge gaps, opportunities, technologies, and methods that would benefit from a short-term influx of funds that in a relatively short period of time would advance these specific priority areas. They will probably fund about 200 grants, and so the number is going to be very limited. An individual investigator can request a budget not exceeding 500000 in total costs each year for a maximum of $1 million in total costs over a two-year project period. So it's a very innovative initiative, but the point that has struck me in looking at it is the amount of money here is substantially smaller than, say, for example, the revision application initiative. Interested investigators should go to the general NIH website as well as the institute and center websites where are listed the specifics, challenge topics, and priorities. And in order to apply for a challenge grant, you have to identify one of those specific priorities and initiatives and address your application to that specific priority. I think before we comment on them, if you would explain the third 
category, Alan, then I think we can then open it up for a discussion. Yes, the the, uh, the third category that I'm aware of is the Grand Opportunities Initiative. The application due date for this one is May 27, 2009. And so investigators have a bit longer time to put together an application. Again, approximately $200 million in the ARRA funds will be obligated toward this initiative. So it's relatively modest. This program is intended to support projects that are going to address large, specific biomedical and biobehavioral research endeavors. And again, this is the tricky part that investigators must be aware of. These are large initiatives that could benefit from a two-year influx of funds without the expectation of continued NIH funding beyond those two years. So these grand opportunity, or what is referred to as the GO Grants program, must have high short-term impact and a high likelihood of enabling growth and investment in both biomedical as well as biobehavioral research over a two-year period. Thank you. So when I look at these, I am, on one hand, remarkably excited about the opportunity to see money invested in research. On the other hand, I can't imagine how one can develop a program that's going to have a big impact in two years. Alan, can you help me with that? Well, I agree. And as I and my colleagues have looked at each of these initiatives, we're very struck by that. It, um, it is a constraint that one has to very carefully take into account. I think it's a very difficult set of initiatives to start a new program of research. I think investigators who are looking for funding to start are going to be at a disadvantage given the dollar amount and the duration constraints in these initiatives. So I think investigators need to look very carefully at them from that perspective and also be aware that the competition is going to be fierce. So I guess, Alan or Justin, what implications do you think that this new money has for physical therapist scientists? Well, I can think of a couple. The first implication is it's going to give a boost to physical therapy researchers who are currently doing NIH-supported research or are involved in research that is amenable to NIH support. I think those are the people who are going to be most competitive for each of these initiatives. The second area that I'm actually even more excited about is the potential for physical therapists to get involved in what's going to be a longer-term, more sustained research initiative, and that's the Comparative Effectiveness Research Initiative. I think that has tremendous potential for physical therapy because there are so many comparative effectiveness research questions that are relevant and have very high policy relevance that should and could be addressed by physical therapists. I would echo a a lot of those comments. I think one of the strongest uh, implications that this increased funding has It's a message to the research community that the federal government values and is going to continue to make an investment in the research enterprise. I think after the last four or five years, emerging researchers 
were struggling, would there be a continuous source of viable funding in our country? And this is a very strong message that the federal government believes in the biomedical research enterprise and believes it has an impact not only on healthcare, but on our economy. I think comparative effectiveness offers a great opportunity for our physical therapy and a way to show how physical therapy and the interventions that we utilize can make a lasting impact on our health delivery system. So I'm going to ask us to discuss some more about what the comparative effectiveness money is because it's different than these three pots of money that we've just discussed. So Justin or Alan, will one of you talk about how much money is available for comparative effectiveness, which agency is associated with it? Yes, I'll hit it from the very broad standpoint. The American Recovery and Reinvestment Act authorized $1.1 billion in comparative effectiveness research. Most of you will recall one of the principles of President Obama's health care plan back in the fall was the establishment of a comparative effectiveness research institute. It doesn't go so far to establish that institute, but takes that $1.1 billion and puts it into two basic pots. The first was it allocated $700 million to the Agency on Healthcare Quality and Research, and then the additional $400 million was on transfer from the Agency on Healthcare Research and Quality to NIH. So a good portion of the money will remain at the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, um, but NIH will also be involved in the allocation of competitive effectiveness research. I think that offers a great opportunity for physical therapists to access funds. So let me tie this in with the discussion that we just had. Alan, back to the grand opportunities that you were discussing, is it possible that some of those grand opportunities can be comparative effectiveness research? It is possible, Becky, but the problem is the two-year time frame. It's yes. very okay. difficult to do a comparative effectiveness study in two years unless you happen to be poised, let's say, at the point of completing a pilot study or you're just at the point of launching a comparative effectiveness study. But I think most of the funding that Justin mentioned in the $1.1 billion allocation will come later in the comparative effectiveness arena. Interestingly, the Act included funds for a specific contract to the Institute of Medicine. I was quite surprised by that. They've been asked to put together a panel on comparative effectiveness research and to make recommendations by June 30th of 2009 for national priorities for comparative effectiveness research. That's incredibly fast. Something so targeted and specific is quite unusual. The language, you know, it says not only establish and recommend the research priorities, but gather stakeholder input. As all of us know, it's one thing to establish the priorities, but to gather and to collect stakeholder input and do that by June 30th of this year is extremely aggressive. So I think physical therapists should be aware that now is the opportunity to provide input to this Institute of Medicine panel. I think it's extremely important that we, as a profession, have our voice heard so that the national priorities that come out will reflect the importance of physical therapy research questions related to comparative effectiveness. That's a very good point, Alan. We're talking about a timeline that is continuing to unfold. So while Alan has talked to us about three different opportunities through NIH, 
And Justin just talked about the additional $1.1 billion associated with comparative effectiveness. I think it's really important to recognize that almost on a weekly basis, the institutes or centers come out with an announcement about monies that are available. Would either of you like to help expand on that point? Well, again, a recommendation I would make to our colleagues who may be listening to this podcast is that we should not wait for the next initiative. We should begin to do the planning that needs to be done if you're going to be competitive in putting together a grant on a comparative effectiveness research study. We need to do our part to spend that money and get it back into the economy. I think it's the right thing to do. And um, would you like to provide an operational definition for comparative effectiveness? I'll give you my understanding of it. I'll contrast it with the more traditional form of effectiveness research. In my way of thinking, comparative effectiveness is research that aims to examine how a particular intervention for a particular condition or impairment compares with other interventions or procedures for that given condition or impairment. In other words, the focus is on comparing the relative effectiveness of one intervention approach versus another. And that's in contrast to more traditional effectiveness research where you ask basically the question of whether or not intervention X is better than nothing. Justin, have you heard a different definition? No, I think that's a very good definition. I know when this was going through in the ARRA, there was a lot of controversy about the definition of comparative effectiveness and what it was or was not. And some of the interesting things that were circulating on Capitol Hill that really this was the government's attempt to get in and control how we access and make choices in healthcare. And as you can see from the definition, it couldn't be further from that. It's more the interventions in a comparative state in providing that information to help us all make better choices in healthcare. And I agree with the definition as well that Alan has offered, and that's my understanding, so that we really could compare two totally different, complete plans of care. And what a golden opportunity for physical therapy as a field and profession where we've been spending years trying to establish the evidence base for the interventions that we provide The federal government is providing a tremendous influx of resources and support in precisely the area where we've been focusing a lot of research attention. So the timing could not be better for our field, in my view. We should be extremely competitive in comparing some of the approaches that have been advanced by our field relative to far more expensive and risky interventions for many of the conditions that therapists work with. And I couldn't agree with Alan more. I think in addition to the IOM committee, there's going to be a federal coordinating council for comparative research. That panel has already scheduled their first public meeting on April 14th, which will just start the dialogue on comparative effectiveness research. Are there any other comments that either of you would like to make? The other recommendation I would make to people who are listening to this podcast is that it's extremely helpful to talk to various project officials who work within the NIH if you have an idea that you want to pursue in some of these initiatives. What I have learned when I and my colleagues have talked to the project officers in various institutes 
is sometimes their interpretation of a priority is quite different than mine. And it's incredibly valuable to talk with them in advance to writing up and submitting any kind of application so you really begin to understand their thinking and also begin to hopefully have an advocate within the NIH to help you move your ideas and your proposals forward. And I would like to echo what Alan is saying because the program officers are really anxious to help and they don't want to see an investigator spend a lot of time preparing a proposal that is triaged. They're there to help. I think it's a key time for researchers to stay informed and engaged. And one of the biggest challenges we have is making sure that people are aware of the multiple grants that are going to be coming out, all these emerging new programs where we can make a case for physical therapists or rehabilitation scientists to make competitive applications. So there are two websites that we've talked about. One is recovery.gov, and the second site is nih.gov. So I assume, Justin, that there's an NSF site as well as an AHRQ website. There is, and the best place to access all those is through the recovery.gov website. If you want to be more specific to NIH, you can even go further into that process and type out www.grants.nih.gov. That'll get you even further into the actual grants that are being released through the Recovery Act. So I would like to summarize. This has been a remarkably exciting discussion for me. First of all, there's been a black cloud over the research community for the past many years because there hasn't been money available to the NIH and to other scientific agencies. And so it's been really difficult to dream of doing research at the level that we would like to be able to. In the recent months, there's been an incredible, like the sun has come out, but it's also very frightening because this initiative is time limited. So in two years, we have to demonstrate that monies in the stimulus package devoted to research do in fact end up helping the economy. So it's not only that we have to provide research that advances knowledge, but we also have to demonstrate that it stimulates the economy. So there's a lot of pressure on people at the federal agency level and on investigators to try and meet this need. But what a great problem to have. There's money available. Comparative effectiveness research is absolutely what physical therapists are capable of doing and they're asking us for input. So thank you very much for a great discussion today, and go out and write a grant. Thanks for listening. This is a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. For comments or suggestions for upcoming topics, email ptj at scienceaudio.net or leave a voicemail at 626-593-7825. 